You're listening to the ACL Podcast. My name is Michael Williams. Today, my guest is Jake Muser, founder and owner of J. Muser Bespoke. Jake has created one of the most interesting and sought-after tailoring brands. We talk about his personal style, where he sees the current state of tailoring, and many other things. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Jake, it's good to see you. Good to be here. Thanks for coming to my boardroom. We're like in this giant like conference room. I feel like very official. Yeah, it feels official. Does like it make it. me feel more official? Yeah, maybe we should switch directions. We sit at the head of the table. <laughs> yeah, we should <laughs> set it up like a yeah, 1950s uh, Mad Men style situation. Um, it's good to see you. Uh, good to get a chance to chat with you. And I always see you when you're like going a million directions or if I see you at Pitti going a million directions. Everyone seems to want your attention, but it's good to like get a chance to really sit down and dig into things with you. So thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. I mean, do you ever get tired of talking about tailored clothing? <laughs> Is you it know, possible? I, I, at times, but you know, I've got a surprising uh, appetite to discuss these things. I do it, you know, I do it, at, I do it with clients at work. I do it with the team all day at work. And Oftentimes, after work, I sit around doing this. So it's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's like, what does your wife say when, when it comes up? She just rolls her eyes and uh, looks the other way? Yeah, I mean, she, <laughs> she's, she's heard a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like starting a tailoring business is almost like becoming like a newspaper reporter at this point, where it's like an amazing career, but a difficult one to sort of get into at this point. What, what drew you to do this? How'd you end up here? I mean, I studied tailoring and I studied design at FIT and I was drawn to the idea of being able to, I guess, bring someone's, it sounds cliche, but bring someone's dreams to fruition. Like this idea of really creating exactly what someone wanted, which when I was younger, I didn't even really under, understand. Like you go, you go into stores, you look at stuff and you're always kind of thinking, there's something I'd like to change here, tweak, or I wish I could have the, the fit of the shoulders or whatever it is, I want to be able to change it. So when I, as my eyes began to be opened up to actually making custom clothing, it really kind of, um, you know, resonated with me. And I had done an apprenticeship for a woman who was doing, you know, when I was working with her, it was custom clothing for musicians. And so it was totally a different aesthetic. Like but rock and roll? Rock and roll. So it was like Bon Jovi and Sebastian Bach and Debbie Harry and David Bowie and all these kind of characters, which when you're 19 or 20 and having the kind of past that I have, it was like extremely, this was like the kind of, it was everything that I wanted. This was amazing. <laughs> and I kind of was growing out of, you know, wanting that aesthetic, which was a very like leather and denim and studs and all kinds of really theatrical stuff. But the practice was there. And just, I think being in her space and seeing how she worked. She would do like everything was like bespoke. Like everything, so it was just, she literally just be her and maybe one of the two apprentices. Everything was that, but it would, you know, someone would come in and like, you know, you'd sit for like an hour and they would have coffee or have a drink and like just brainstorm. I'd go on for hours, like talking about what, tell me about the tour, tell me about the new album, like what are we doing and you know, what's the plan or how many looks and these would be big, you know, and then, the, then we'd go to work for the next like, you know, be a couple months of that. And like, and this could be tens of thousands of dollars of like, you know, of stage clothing kind of yeah, stuff. Cool. Um, but that idea, you know, it still resonated with me. And she would always say something. I remember her being like, you know, if I won the lottery, I'd still do the same thing. I just did, wouldn't deal with any assholes and I'd have a bigger studio. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's, and she was a really tough Greek woman. So I was like, you know, she probably used more expletives than that. But I was like, <laughs> and that kind of, you know, you don't hear a lot of people say, and I believe it, that if, you know, that if they won the lottery, they would keep doing the same thing. And I'd always, you know, yeah. you know, it's like, which is funny. And um, did you structure your business that way? Like knowingly or unknowingly? 
Maybe a little bit knowingly and unknowingly, you know, a combination of those yeah. two. And I love what I do. And yeah, there's occasional people that make your life, you know, like, you know, give me a headache and, you know, make me question why I do what I do. But most of the time, it's it's just great. And it's that kind of conversation with someone. And it's maybe not as in-depth as planning out, like, the Debbie Harry, you know, the next Blondie tour. But it's that kind of thing. You know, a gentleman comes in and we talk about it, whether or not they have a big vision for what they want, you know, are really like, I'm are unsure of what they want. It's still this open conversation and it's whether it's with me or with one of the guys in the team and thinking about, you know, what makes sense for them and kind of guiding them and just, to, and also like collaborating. I mean, I really believe in that collaborative process. And that was something that I saw with her. It was like, it's not like they just came in and were like, designed for me. They had ideas, she had ideas, and then they came together and that was something that, you know, that we saw. There's also a great shoemaker, um, Norman Vallalta, who's based in Barcelona, who has a really similar approach. When I first met him, it really influenced me the way he would kind of talk about this. Like he said, if someone wanted to buy a bespoke shoe, like it would start with like a nice, like they would talk for an hour plus just to kind of get to know each other. And and so that he could really understand what he was supposed to do with, with them. And this is like very in depth and not as much like most New Yorker speed, but it's, you know. Do you have clients that want to do that? That like want to come in and just really yeah, like absolutely. No, develop we, themselves in the process. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we and we kind of encourage it. And we, we have guys that'll come in and be like, you know, I don't. I'm not looking to buy anything, but can I just pop in and just chat some ideas? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, come on in, and we'll just kick our ideas. And they'll be like, I saw this, or let me look at some fabrics. Let me take some notes, and then they, you know, go back, brainstorm more, and come back, and normally get a bunch of things. So it's you know, it's all part of the process. That's like the thing that I'm really drawn to. It's like when you come to see you in the studio, it's like a club in a way like it, everyone's like hanging out there's like just like an atmosphere and it, it's really welcoming and like people want to hang and there are, there's always like people coming through it has this like energy to it that is pretty amazing and like the way you've cultivated that and sort of built this community of people it's like pretty cool to see yeah thank and you it's it's interesting because there's not a lot of people doing what you do even in new york it's like you could go buy a suit at you know some big store that sells like a brand from Italy or whatever, but there's not like a lot of like tailors where you have a relationship with your tailor. Having that process and listening to people, like and I think being empathetic is like a really important part of like of of what we do and not trying to be so hardline. I mean I think there's an, an aesthetic we're trying to uphold and we don't want to go too far off the rails, but I think it's important also to really kind of to work with people. I mean I kind of keep saying it, but I just think that that's surprisingly hard in this, in like, around the world to just get a tailor to listen to you. <laughs> do, do, do you feel like you, how would you describe the house style? Like the Jamie's your house style? We try to be classic in our proportions. So we're seeing, you know, somewhat, somewhat broader through the lapels. We generally are on the side of a softer, kind of somewhat wider set shoulder, a little bit of drape in the chest, although we kind of taper in for a pretty like nipped waistline and then a fairly high-waisted, trim but not tight trouser moving into a kind of a straighter leg does it work for a lot of different types of like body types and people yeah we adapt some of those proportions depending on the person if someone has very sloped shoulders we might add a little bit more structure to the shoulders if someone you know is extremely skinny we might also add a little bit more structure so you're not seeing kind of like bones you know like because <laughs> we tend to do a very natural shoulder so our kind of default would be a would be a shoulder that has no pad in it um, and it's not either done with a 
kind of balakamicha soft shoulder or a very tight rope we call like a not quite like a full English rope but a very tight kind of cigarette roll to the shoulder um yeah is it, we, is we, it inspired we, by like an Italian tailor that you liked or an English tailor or is it just like know, something that you've I'd adapted describe it as just New York you know it's a total it's a total mutt of a suit. You know, we're, <laughs> we're mixing everything. And I think that that's what being like, you know, an American and being particularly a New Yorker, to me, it's like the ultimate melting pot. This is where everyone from all over the place has come and kind of mix things together. And it's why there's, you know, you have all these funny things. Like you've got like, I don't know, you have Italians who have like strong opinions on matzo balls and, <laughs> you know, and Jews who have strong opinions on like every type of cuisine. And that's just kind of what, I think being a New Yorker is about. So the suit to me reflects that. It's like, I'm inspired. I would say the people like my whole team is really inspired from, from everything. We, we travel a lot. We look at a ton of suits all over the world and I think are taking in little bits of that. And we're looking at what all kinds of different people in our, you know, kind of universe are doing and also looking at old films and, you know, you know, rock stars, musicians, just trying to pull all of this together and, and just and mix it up, and I think those little little pieces kind of shine through in a lot of ways. I mean, that's and it's interesting when you layer in like this the guys that work with you and like the team, and there's this uh, I don't know, it's like this group it's that you've assembled, and I don't know. If, I, I always wonder, like, did you knowingly sort of say like this is how we're going to approach like how we're viewed on social media, and this is how we're going to sort of build the aesthetics of the brand more widely like through these guys definitely not knowingly i mean i don't want to like say that i do things without any thought but i you know <laughs> no, I you, think, can, you can i mean i think we'd all appreciate you it. know the team that's yeah. come together is kind of it's built itself you know just over over years and it's it's not super tactical i think that we're close and i think that covid brought us all closer in a way you know we were all friendly but then this kind of crazy thing happened and we like you know, the shop was shut down, everybody went their different directions. And then after a month, everyone was like, all right, I think we got to get back to the city. And it was obviously the city was like, there was still like almost no commerce. And everyone was like, you know, all right. And we're like, you know, and I'm kind of like furloughed everyone, but everyone was like, let's just go back. We'll just figure it out. Like, let's just, let's get back to work. Like, we'll just kind of, we'll do abbreviated hours. We'll be up in the showroom. Let's just, you know, we just kind of did it. And I was saying a big credit to like my team. The guys basically just hopped on before we even had money to start paying everyone again. And we all just kind of were like, all right, let's do it. And we might be working three, four hours a day. You know, it was just like, okay, oh, good chat. What's the next plan? And I think that that was um, certainly brought us all uh, a lot closer. And I yeah. think just gave us a lot of time to think about design and just kind of, and just kind of push, th push through it. So that did everything like come back? Did you start to see like right away people coming in to make suits? Everyone's saying like Taylor clothing is done. It's done forever. I mean, you know, I think in April of 2020, that was like, it's done. No, it's, no one's ever going to wear anything but sweatpants. We may never leave our homes. And <laughs> okay. And I'm like, all right. Uh, you guys want to make sweatpants? What are you thinking here? You know, these are the kind did of- Did you guys consider making sweatpants? <laughs> no, <laughs> it might've been disgusting. I'm just, you know, it is, you know, one of the nice, you know, another thing just to kind of interject here is that one of the nice things about being custom business is that you're not, um, we hadn't made our purchases, let's say for this, for the summer of 2020, 10 months before we're, you know, we, we were able to move quickly and I was kind of like, all right, guys, it's cool. The jets, I'm obviously not going to restock the store this season. Like we don't need to have a ton of ready to wear. Let's focus on custom. Let's just, let's just trim down. Like we don't need to be. Obviously, I don't want to take on a ton of inventory right now. Like this is a time to just kind of kick back. And that's, 
you know, it was, it was amazing because a lot of people were sitting, were, had placed their orders not imagining this. And that's, if you were a department store, you just, it just killed you. Yeah. Um, and we were able to really slow the, you know, hit the brakes. And also my fixed costs are much lower. Like we don't, we're not carrying debt. And obviously when we don't, we're not selling anything, especially when we're primarily, now we have more ready to wear and we've built back up and we have all kinds of stuff moving. But, you know, the core of the business being custom, when if you don't have any orders, you don't have any bills other than payroll and rent. So it's this kind of, um, you know, helped helped us a lot get through that. Yeah. And then people started to come back in. But yeah. How long, how long have you been in business? Been in business? I mean, the kind of ideas founded in 2008, but that was wow. really the kind of, um, I don't know if it was really a business yet then. It was an idea. Um, and then in 2009, I did a pop-up shop. And then 2010, I opened up the first store. Wow, cool. And uh, when did you meet Hranik in all of this? I mean, I, I feel like in sort of my circle, and, and maybe David Coggins would be included in this too, like came via Matt. Yeah, I mean, David and I, I feel like had known each other a long time because my first store was around the corner from Freeman's and just kind of seeing each other for a long time mm-hmm. and being, and then becoming kind of friends. But I feel like the way that we really got to know each other was on this first trip. And Matt and I had just kind of become friends at the store. And then Matt, David and I did this trip to Scotland together. Yeah, and I yeah. think, you know, when you spend a you know, a week just driving around in a car, you, you get pretty close, you know, and David and I got, you know, got close. I spent my birthday there, which was pretty funny. So that was about six years ago. Yeah. Um, so that was, I think, when we really kind of all started to uh, to get to know each other. Because I, I remember Matt would always talk about, just Matt was always making stuff with you and always talking about you. And, um, like, I feel like I was pretty heavily influenced, like, you know, appreciating what you're doing because of Matt. And it's interesting because you, I think your personal style is, fairly different from Matt's personal style. I think you're like pretty, I don't know, you have this sort of like rock and roll, like Italian thing going on, like New York City meets Italy or something. I don't know, how would you describe it? <laughs> yeah, you, I, mean, that's, wearing, I think that, that kind of sums it up. You know? You're wearing like a significant or a decent amount of jewelry. I wouldn't say significant, but like you, have, you wear bracelets and like, like rings and... Less yeah. than Keith Richards, but more than the average guy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, most guys I know wear like a watch and a wedding <laughs> band or something, you know. Um, but and I think Matt's style is like a little bit more British, American, sort of yeah. know, less Italian, like a little bit more heritage. Yeah, and definitely more. Touches of, of Italian. And a lot of that kind of hunting and really and a little bit more preppy and that kind of yeah. definitely that kind of vibe. It's like a Binghamton, you know, prep. <laughs> it's like classic Binghamton, Binghamton prep. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Um, but anyway, I would give Matt uh, credit, like in my circle, for like no, turn, turning me on to you. And, um, and then you've done a lot of stuff with him, like just, you know, all these projects through the years and going to Italy and you were on the train. Yeah, yeah. we've traveled together. And we've, I guess we've done Scotland together twice. We've done countless pities. We've hosted parties. We also, you know, at one point he had taking over part of my space in the West Village where he was using it as an office space. So we've, you know, we've certainly worked together on a lot of things over the year and collaborated on all kinds of different, um, yeah, designs. And also, you know, I've, I think I've helped him. We've helped each other a lot. I mean, I've given him a lot of advice on like what kind of, how certain fabrics work and what makes sense and those kind of things. And he's certainly helped me with, uh, just kind of understanding the broader, broader world and appeal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I like, I like talking to you about this sort of stuff, like about tailoring and, you know, seeking you out for advice. And 
because I feel like your bedside manner with these things is so wonderful and you're just so sort of agreeable, but also opinionated. You, you, you find this really nice balance of like, I have opinions, <laughs> but I'm also willing to hear what you, you know, you're, you're trying to do where a lot of tailors, I feel like it's an, it's a, such an intimidating process because they're like, this is the way we do things. And you have to fit into like our, our zone to work. It's challenging. I mean, I've been joking for a long time. I'm not old enough yet to do that when I get really, you know, like I, I look forward to the age when I'm just like, nah, that's not how we do things. I, I don't, <laughs> and I'm just like, nah, absolutely not. But now I'm still, you know, maybe yeah. young, young at heart at least, you know, and yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm still keeping an open mind. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm certainly not saying that like you would need to like do, you know, explore ridiculous ideas that you don't agree with. I don't think like that's it. But, you know, I think it, at least like getting you're shaping people's perception so they think maybe they came up with some of the idea or whatever. But I think it's like intimidating. I'm curious like what you think buying a suit, like getting things made for you, like what is that process like? I mean, how do your clients I mean, experience I think it, it can be a total mix. It's daunting. It's also, I think, I mean, the, I always say the most important part is you should have fun with it. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going, you're doing something that's pretty special that not a lot of people get to do. I mean, to have like a, you know, handmade suit made for you is like a pretty, it's a pretty special thing wherever you go, whatever that is, that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, at least I, I consider that to be fun. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I think, but I also think that it's daunting. People come in with different levels of kind of experience, meaning maybe they haven't really worn a lot of suits. They're right out of college and they're kind of like, what am, you know, what am I doing? What's the plan here? Or they've been to a custom tailor and had some bad experiences and are just kind of like unsure what they want to do or just looking to kind of update their wardrobe and aren't sure about what current trends are. I'm always like, don't, first of all, don't worry about current trends. You know, just think about, <laughs> You know, like I can run you through what those are, but trend cycles are moving so quickly anyway, it's hard to make your head spin. So it's better to just kind of think about what appeals to you and yeah. what you like. And I think you build from those kind of foundations. And I think when somebody comes in and is new to the process, I really try to teach them the vocabulary and bring them up to speed. And like, without being, I'm not trying to be patronizing, but I'm like, I'm saying, well, this is a gorge. That means the height of the, the, height of the lapel placement. And, you know, do you like where this is sitting on you? Perhaps for the width of your shoulders, we could go a little bit lower and a little wider on the lapel. And just showing them how these little things affect the whole silhouette. Because a lot of times someone who doesn't have, or even someone who has quite a bit of knowledge and tailoring might not know why they like something or don't like it. They're just kind mm -hmm. of like, I love this jacket. And it can pretty quickly, you can start to, in a conversation, understand what they like about that and try to figure out what it is they like, where they're like, I really don't like this. And they're, maybe they're, they're pointing at the waistline, but it's not the waist that's bothering them. It's something about the shoulder line. or something. These are just like little yeah, things, but yeah. it's these little things that are hard for people to always um, articulate. And I think mm -hmm. it's, you know, the more that you kind of, you know, improve on someone's vocabulary, teach them about that stuff, the more they're able to inform you of what they really want. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, I think important. Like give them the tools to, to help, you know, make their experience better and make everything you do for them make them happier with what they what they get and yeah what absolutely they make. so it so if i came into you and said oh, i came into the shop and said i want to update my wardrobe like what would we do like i want to buy three suits jake what would we do you know my first question would be like well, what do you have you know what do you what do you like that you have and if you're like i have nothing you know then i probably you know i might ask you what you do what kind yeah. of things that you're 
looking to achieve with these. If you said, you know, I wear a suit pretty regularly, I'm gonna suit three, four days a week, I want something that I can wear like a lot, I'd be looking for something that was more stable, a little heavier, something that could be hard wearing, we might recommend two pairs of trousers for that kind of, you know, if we get like a younger guy working at Goldman or something like that, who wants to like, probably gonna wear that suit like twice a week for a long time, you know, yeah, for yeah. the next like year. You might be wearing this suit a hundred times in the next year. Like, maybe we should do two pairs of pants. Let's like, let's use a really stable British wool, yeah. you know, like that was designed to take like a beating basically. <laughs> yeah. um, and for someone who's working 14 hours a day, this is like a little different yeah. than someone like you, who I might, you might be like, well, I live in Santa Monica, I don't work in an office, I wanna have like the really good suit for this kind of party, I don't wanna tux, but I want something that can like kind of make work if I got invited to a cocktail party or it's like almost black tie, like this would work. Honing in on those things and having that conversation is where where I would start. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Do you you think like certain professions like have all the lawyers buy like one thing? Like, does that happen? Do you see that, like, to finance guys or, like, if you deal with, like, people that work in the entertainment industry, it's, like, they love to buy, like, brown suits or something. I mean, I think that there's a total, there's a big mix here. I mean, at the end of the day, I think especially now that a lot of people who, if if you're working in a bank or a law firm, it might be, and a lot of our guys are like this now, that... Your office doesn't require a suit at all. So lots of people are wearing, might be wearing jeans and a t-shirt, but... If you're coming to me and you're really interested in this kind of stuff, the chances are that you're, you, you're, you know, I mean, we hear this a lot. Like guys, like, yeah, everyone's wearing this, but that's not me. I like to wear it, and so their suits have gone from more conservative before the pandemic to being just a. They're just like, I'm just doing this for me. Yeah. So they're wearing maybe it might be bolder pinstripes or Glenchecks or tweeds, things you wouldn't normally have seen going to the office before the pandemic. They're doing it more for the for the fun of it. Yeah. yeah. So there's no like set rule. I mean, at the end of the day, a navy suit or charcoal gray suit is going to be the most conservative, easiest to wear, goes with every tie, goes yeah. with every shirt. Just you can't go wrong. You probably never look better than when you're in just one of those. <laughs> like you just look good. They're flattering, the whole kind of thing. But I think. We see big mixes. I mean, I have, you know, you hear people say, I have, you know, they will come in and be like, I don't work in an office. Like, don't make me look like that. I'm, you know, like they're very, you know, and this is clear from the get go. Like they're saying, okay, I want like, I want three corduroy suits, like in brown, olive green and, and like a tan. You're like, all right, cool. I, I get where this is going. You definitely, you know, and the whole point is, and maybe this is someone who's a writer or an artist. And I think they want to convey that a little bit with their dress. Yeah. Um, and I think that that normally it's pretty apparent when someone comes in kind of what they're going for. Like if someone's a famous artist or a musician or a restaurateur or writer, they're coming in with a different attitude than than someone who's coming with a more kind of um, maybe pragmatic approach to their dress. Like, do you, do you feel like your customers have, they span all of those professions? Like It spans like it's, everything. Like I'm, like, every time I talk to you about, you're like, oh, so-and-so, I make suits for so-and-so or this person, you know, I'm always like, it's such a varied group of people. Like it is like artists and bankers and like yeah, people that just love, a ton yeah. of different. I mean, I think it's kind of just a reflection also of like myself and the team. I think, you know, we have like, I'd say to start, we make, you know, without tooting my own horn, we make really <laughs> high quality clothing and we put a lot of energy and attention to it and sourcing and all of this stuff. And I think that, that appeals to a wide range of people. And I think that for that reason, we've built like a big business of guys that, you know, that love tailoring and that want to go somewhere that really does that well. But because I think we also have a pretty eclectic group together and because I think we have a different approach, we end up with a lot of 
kind of these interesting characters. I'm also, and I think it just, it's just who you are. Like I've worked with a number of professional athletes, but I'm not someone who follows sports really closely. So I don't, I think it's hard for me. I don't have that same kind of like rapport with someone who plays football as I might with someone who's like, oh, like I've got like, oh, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm with Gagosian and like I have a big opening and I'm like, oh, amazing. We can start to talk and like, we know, probably know some of the same people and this is just going to be like a natural thing that happens mm-hmm. when because that's more more where your world yeah more where my world is at so i think that because of that we've built this really like eclectic group whereas a lot of other kind of tailors might be like i don't know what that is like, i've never heard of that band you know that kind of thing so <laughs> that's funny david coggins is always sort of going on and on about tuxedos owning tuxedos and we even i talk to him about this where i say i i just don't know if it's like if we can broadly recommend owning a tuxedo, but I'm curious, like, and and obviously you might be biased because you know you make tailored clothes for a lot of people, but do you think everyone should own a tuxedo, or like what's the threshold for owning? So I'm, it's hard to say. I I mean I think that there's an East Coast West Coast thing. I feel like they're less common on the West Coast, maybe depending. I mean, depends on what your what your uh, what your lifestyle is. I don't know that it's a must have, but I think that it's. It's unfortunate when you find yourself at a wedding or a party, oftentimes it's weddings or parties, depending. I mean, if, you, if you're the kind of person who goes to a lot of black tie events and aren't weddings, then you definitely need a tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> you're looking at different. And- yeah, if you're in that kind of circuit, you can afford a tux and you should definitely have at least one or two or maybe three if you're, <laughs> if you're doing that a lot. If you could, but, but I'm referring more to someone who's you know, getting invited to this, and I, we see this a lot where guys are like, oh, Got invited to a black tie thing and they're dreading it. And it's just like they're like, they're like terrified when they get that invite that says black tie because they either have to rent a tux or go find one. And then they're like, you're here with all your old friends you haven't seen, and you're in some terrible rented tux. And, <laughs> and that, you know, I don't mean to like put that down. There's nothing, you know, if you've got the means, and maybe it doesn't mean that you have to buy a benchmade bespoke tuxedo. Maybe you should look for one at the end of the season. But I think it's a good thing to own and bring it to a tailor and have it tailored and know that you've got a good tux. Because yeah. when you have that, you'll look forward to those black tie events. Like, you know, that's, yeah. I, I mean, I've heard this from clients. be like, yeah, I got it. Like, oh, there was some gal and my wife wanted to go with black tie. But they'll be like, yeah, but I just, you know, now that I got that new tux from you, I said yes. So he's like, if that had been two months ago, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone. And it's like, <laughs> You're saving people's marriages. <laughs> I don't know about marriages. At least, <laughs> you know, pres- preserving them <laughs> and, it, and strengthening them. But uh, I, yeah, that's funny. My thoughts on tuxedos have, I feel like I've gone very against it, very open to it. Like for a long time, I thought like, if you get married someplace warm, like you shouldn't have a black tie wedding. But then now I'm like, I see pictures of, you know, weddings with black tie and they, I feel like they always look better. Yeah, I agree. I think it's almost impossible to mess up black tie. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's hard to that, and the people want to be more casual. I was like, I think you should at least wear a tie. Take it off when you're done the ceremony, but at least put, like, put it all together. Yeah. It'll photograph better. There's no, you know, yeah. you're just gonna look your best, like, you know. Yeah, you, you must get a lot of people that come in for weddings, and I yeah, mean, I we know, do. I know several people that have come, and actually, I was with a guy today, and he was saying, like, I'm gonna go see Jake to, like, get a tux from, or get a suit for my wedding. Nice, yeah, so, yeah we do a lot of, yeah, a lot of, lots of weddings. And so do they, are they like, look, I need your counsel on this. Like, what do we do? This is where we're going. And and then do you have to like conference in like the bride and or are you just like, all right, I'll make you a mood board and like. You know, it's, it, you know, with I, I wish I could give you a more decisive kind of <laughs> answers. People come in with 
no idea. Like, oh, like, oh, my, my fiance is going to kill me. Help me. You know, we're like, we got you. Don't worry. Like, we're going to make this look good. Like, you know, tell me a little bit about the event and where is it and what's the style. And like, we try to incorporate some of those ideas. And then it's like, all right, great. We've got, we've got the plan. But we also get people come in like, this is my fiance. This is her mother. This is my, this they come with like a whole team. They've got iPads and all kinds of stuff and they're going through it. And that's, and we welcome it. We're like, all right, you're making this like you're making this easy. Give me the give me the presentation. Show me the color palette. Like I want to see it all. And then it just gives us you know even more to work with. Like you know, and just yeah. kind of like and to go through all of that. So it's it's a total mix. And we've done a lot of these fittings where it's like multiple kind of cameras. With a you'll have like two people there, both zooming or FaceTiming somebody else who you know. <laughs> You know, we have one of the, yeah, <laughs> you know. Details you can't reveal. You no, know, yeah. we had one the other day where it was like we had two brothers, they have the same initials and the father also. And the, one of the brothers, we had handed him the suit. You know, the groom had one color, had like a midnight blue and the, and the brother and the father had a black. Anyway, they got confused. There was a Zoom call and the father's screaming. And then we realized like, that's not, the, it's like, that's not your suit. Sorry, and we had to switch the suits out. And he's going like, that's not the correct suit. They messed up. I'm like, no, no, I'm sorry. And he goes, just, it's just the garment bags. And moving, you know, moving it around. It was kind of like crisis averted. You know? Oh my God. <laughs> when you see like the Oscars and like creative black tie, and it's just so hard to do anything unique, right? It's like, that's almost like the last thing you want to do. It's hard. I think you just want to push it a little bit when you go too far. And I understand there's a, there's a place for that at, at certainly at a lot of these award ceremonies where people do things like really outlandish. And yeah. there's always the guy who just like looks, looks really, you know, just put together. Who's like, maybe not making the list, but you're like, that guy looked good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Certain people you can tell. And, and you, in real life, it's like you see someone wearing a suit that fits them very well. You can just tell like they wear a lot of suits. Like you can tell when someone has refined this over time or found the right tailor or like there's good tailoring and then there's bad and you can really tell like when someone's got a good suit and without like knowing who made it or whatever, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's just challenging with, especially for the red carpet, you've got a lot of celebrities with stylists and, you know, and they might be very handsome and very, charismatic and incredible on screen, but they probably haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff, you know, <laughs> like, you know, thinking about clothing. So it's, yeah. it's, um, I mean, some of them do. And I think that that shows when you've got a guy who's like into it, you can, you can kind of see that. Um, so a lot of times people just kind of go out and they just, the stylist just pulls stuff for them. A lot of time they're getting stuff for free, which is I mean, I'm not going to knock someone for getting free clothes. That's great. You pay a stylist, they go out, they get you a bunch of free clothes. But it doesn't always make you look the best. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. yeah. Sometimes you look best if you if you work with someone who really like has a real you know interest in making sure that the clothing fits you perfectly and is making it for you yeah. to like have at home. Which I also understand. It's hard if you go to if you're a celebrity, you don't necessarily wear the same. You don't wear the same thing every time. So you need you'd have to be buying a lot of tuxedos. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I, I have friends that are stylists, and the thing that always surprised me um, was that they'll just say, like, so-and-so talent, like, just does not care what I give them to wear or whatever. They just, I put it out, they put it on. Like, they don't ask questions, they don't care, they don't, you know, have an opinion. And I'm always like, it's fascinating. I'm sure there's people out there that do, like Daniel Craig, and, you know, I, I, you know there's stories of him being really particular about, like, what he wears and what brands and whatever, but... 
it's interesting that like a lot of celebrities just don't care like what they wear and it's like what you know whatever you're a professional dress me no, it's, let's go it's amazing and i won't name names but it's like amazing how many like i've worked a lot in costume design and it's amazing how different like you know you can have these experiences meaning like you can have one person these are all like very well-known people like one person's like have you read the script and they're asking all these questions and they're really in-depth about who the character is and what they should be wearing what that person what does it mean to be them and like you know and and being very open like maybe they wouldn't wear this in their own life but they understand the character and they're really putting a lot of thought into it and then there's just yeah that fittings with like you know serious kind of a-list guys and they're just like i really don't care you're like, really? They're like, you tell me, you know, you guys just dress me. I'll wear whatever you want. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to, this is like, you know, I'm here to do a job. Like if this is what you, this is what I wear, I wear it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Zero opinion. Yeah. Which is interesting just to see that level of difference. Um, and I don't know that it shows through any differently when I look at these different, you know, that, like that it's, I don't know that the end result is so different, yeah. <laughs> you know, like whether someone put a lot of thought, I think it's maybe more, has more to do with the, the method that this person is, is preparing yeah. for their role yeah. rather than what the actual, how that outfit is then kind of perceived on screen. The, the like Steve McQueen, like Tom Cruise thing where they take being a professional actor, celebrity, it's very seriously, right? Like Tom Cruise is like, obviously like very intense about his like process with everything. And, you know, like Steve McQueen, like engineered his outfit, his style, like to project, like to be a movie star. He was like doing that intentionally. Like everyone thinks, like, oh, he has like effortless style and whatever. It's like, yeah, because like he took it really seriously, and it was like part of his, like his image. And he took, you know, that's like part of him being a movie star. And he, that's like he knew that it was his job. I find that like really interesting to see. Like some people do that, and you know, they just like consider it part of their professional work. I'm curious about. This is sort of, and not getting into specifics, but someone that would come in and buy like 10 versions of like one jacket or something, or like crazy things that you've seen like people order or do like for all their houses or like make some, you know, sport coat for like everyone on their yacht or something. Like, have you had situations like that? Yeah, we've had a lot. We've had a handful of those. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would say the most common would be multiple residences. We guys like, I want like, like, I love this navy blazer. Can you make four more of these? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's exactly <laughs> the same. Exactly the same. Like, I want to have, you know, I want to keep one in my office in New York, one in Palm Beach, one in London. I'm like, all right, I get it. Like, <laughs> you know, and I also always like the idea. I remember a client saying like, I want to keep him in my office. Like, he's like, there was a day where you forgot to wear a blazer and then you have to. He's like, I just want to know that if I open my closet, there's a perfect navy blazer in there. <laughs> no. You know, I was like, I wish I had that as well. <laughs> like, every, every time I open any closet anywhere. You must um, have a lot of like. I have a few navy blazers. Your, yeah. What's your closet like? Do you have like? Do you have to stop like bringing things home and making stuff for yourself? Or oh yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have like a pipeline of like someone that's your size that you can? Like, I have a yeah. I've got some yeah. friends, and occasionally if I don't wear something really, I might like be like if I've like never really worn it, then I might kind of say oh, it's like an old one of mine at the sample sale or something like that. Yeah. But I, but. Uh, yeah, and then I've got some friends and brother and stuff like that that I kind of like, all right, I need to retire this one. <laughs> I try not to archive them all. It's, it's, it's getting a little out of hand. Oh, really? Yeah, I keep, you know, there's a good, I don't know, the maybe I keep 20 or 30 suits at home. 30 suits? <laughs> I probably keep about 20 or 30 in the basement of the store. 
and another maybe <laughs> 20 or 30 or so um, in that, I have a, like my, I have a house in Long Island. So and then out there as well. So kind of, <laughs> I'd say that's kind of, I'd say after that, it's like time to. So we're saying you, <laughs> if I'm doing the math correctly, you have between 60 and 90 suits around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that's a normal amount of suits? No, but I'm in the, I'm in, I'm in the business. You know, I've been doing this a long time. I don't make a ton of clothing every year, yeah. but if you've been doing this for, you know, for more than 10 years and you, you do a few suits a year, it adds up. Do you own a brown tuxedo? I don't, but I'd like one. This has been, this has been a conversation that maybe... Really? Um, yeah, David, David Coggins and I have been discussing the kind of brown tuxedo. I made a brown tuxedo for Matt Rannick as well, which was pretty, pretty good. Like what kind of fabric brown tuxedo? Well, it was a very dark brown mohair trouser and then a very dark brown velvet jacket. Wow. Which is pretty, maybe like the, maybe that's like the fourth, fifth, maybe even the sixth tuxedo that you need that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think start with the black, classic tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. um, did you make David a, like a, a dark green tuxedo? Yeah, I did like an olive, like a dark olive green yeah. flannel tuxedo. Wow, that's nice. Would you say that's like third or fourth tuxedo that you need? That might be in the, you know, I think... Yeah, that's in yeah, that's in your fourth or fifth. You know, I think your first and second are like navy or black and navy. Those are really what you need. Then it's kind of maybe throwing in a dinner jacket that you can just wear with one of those. Yeah. yeah. When we were on the Royal Scotsman together, and David and and Matt was like hosting us, um, I remember David had like at least three tuxedos, and and I was saying like this seems like excessive to have three tuxedos. And then he was like, well, we're doing, uh, we're doing a little shoot for, like, we made these for, for Jake, and we're going to, like, take some photographs and whatever, make sure we document them. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Um, but I think David, you know, I don't know how many tuxedos he has, but a lot. Um, and I, I don't have any. I feel like I need to. I'm, this is really the thing we need to do. I yeah, think. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I do, I do need to do that. But my problem is always, like, my weight had fluctuated so much. Like, I was always scared to make anything, right? Because I'm, like, up and down and whatever. Mostly, mostly up, but sometimes down. I mean, that's another. I mean, we have, I have another client, and he's a famous singer. And we do, for his road kit, we make... We have almost we have four sizes now that stand as road kit because his weight fluctuates a lot. And they literally, so it's four navy, four black, four olive green. Wow. That's kind of, and then there's another set similar to that in another the Hamptons, yeah. Long Island, <laughs> Miami. It's like, you know, it's like they've got it kind of queued up. I mean, otherwise so you, you just, need four tuxedos. I don't think I need four. So I, <laughs> what I need to do is not have my weight fluctuate, which I feel like is more under my control than I, than I am willing to accept. Um, but I think the, you know, the, the worst thing in the world is like paying the fat tax. Like you have a nice suit or you own a tuxedo and then you don't fit it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, this like, is a conversation that, you know, that Matt Hrannick and I have have, you know, he's like, he's, hey, you know, if anyone who follows Matt knows he's been doing these annual kind of fasting things <laughs> and he, and he was like, you know, I honestly, he's like, I think it's good for me, but I mostly do it to make sure that I don't grow out of any of my suits. <laughs> he was like, he's like, you made me too many beautiful suits for me to grow out of any of them. He's like, if I've got to go to a two week fast once a year to keep in shape, I'll do that. I was like, I appreciate that. <laughs> do you do any fasting? What's your like wellness routine? Do you work out? I work out a little bit. I do maybe kind of a looser version of intermittent fasting, I guess. I don't really eat a lot during the day. And then you eat like one meal at night or something? I eat like a light lunch and then I eat like a dinner. So it's like you're sort of like running a calorie deficit. Yeah, I tend to do, but that dinner might be pretty, <laughs> could, could tip me right over, it depends. <laughs> 
That's funny. Yeah, I, are you? Would you ever go and like go to the mountains in Austria and do like the the water cleanse or whatever? You no, know, I would love to. Right now, with my life, with like a, two young kids and a business and a whole team, it's hard for me to comprehend taking two weeks off to do anything, let alone just imagine? doing a a fast. But certainly, given like if my when my kids are older and who knows, I would love to. I, that would be like. I would love to do that. <laughs> but, would you? Yeah, no, I genuinely love it. I like the idea of just like really kind of cleansing and just having a real, like it sounds really, it sounds really nice. Third day there, I might be singing a different tune. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to do the, I, I'm really interested in doing the like Northern California, like they take your phone and like it's like a five day like mental like health assessment retreat like thing not not so much like Aaron Rodgers like sitting in the dark for five days but um like I would love to do one of those like escapes where you like just that sounds really yeah that would be like the Don Draper like thing you know um is there anything like coming up you know this has been really fun to chat with you I like love this stuff I feel like we could go on and on I don't want to keep you forever but um is there anything else like you have coming that you're like excited about or like that I didn't ask you that maybe you want to throw in there? Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't want to say I'm a good interview because, you know, I feel like I probably skipped over <laughs> and missed some things. No, this, is, this has been great. I mean, a lot of what we do stays kind of the same and that's the core of what we do. And I think it's why I love what I do. <laughs> there's, there's kind of, um, you know, something nice about kind of never changing. But we're also developing a lot of our own fabrics right now, which has been really exciting to kind of get in and work with mills and do things that are proprietary and just for us, which is great. And we're also getting into doing more ready-to-wear and launching like a lot, I think for like in the fall, we're rolling out a lot of new outerwear and things like that that are being made in a more industrialized process, but really kind of interesting details and those things that are separate from what we've always done, which is kind of, not always, but primarily custom. And this will be kind of interesting new line of kind of technical fabrics and suede and things like that. So that's, um, that sounds great. That's exciting for me. Yeah. And I think it's like, people shouldn't be intimidated to come in and see you and come to the shop and like meet Matt and meet, uh, chase and like say hi to everyone and like, come like see the ready to wear. And yeah, we encourage people to just kind of drop it and like it's not about spending money it's just about like it's you know i have to go in somewhere like 10 times before i buy anything and just look at it you know <laughs> do, you, do you do that a lot i mean is that you're like that's like the japanese method like go in three times study it online go back you know i would say you know it depends what it is but generally speaking i mean i tr- i try really hard to just not buy like to make sure that what i want is really like and especially this with with kids and with everything i'm just like i'm constantly just, buying stuff and it's not about the money it's just about kind of waste and just trying Mm -hmm. to really think like is this the right or an object for my home I want to make sure that it's the right object and it's not you know I don't want to be overly neurotic but it's just so easy to just kind of continuously buy stuff and then get you know you just want to make sure like I really do I really love this and it has to do with that like um for me a lot it's just like you know I think so it's obviously I make all my own clothing so it's less about yeah. <laughs> about clothing, but any of those things, like really making sure it's this the thing that I want to have. You know, when you have kids around, you start to see your house just like start to accumulate so much stuff, and you're like, I can't believe like our living room has like been taken over by like all <laughs> yeah. this junk. Yeah, it's just, that's just life, right? It's, yeah, <laughs> you're like, where am I going to put all my suits? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's pl- there's plenty of room for those. <laughs> it was good talking to you. Thank good you. Good to talk to you as well, Mike. Thanks so Great much. Thanks, man.